to A Nightmare on Fear Street. We're Trent and Sheree, and we're chatting about the fiercest genre. Expect hot takes, cold drinks, and a couple of fights. Check out the link in the episode description to connect with us via the usual socials, Patreon, and our YouTube channel. All right, everyone, we are back, and today we are covering Gerald's Game. That's right. Y'all keep asking for more Flanagan, and we found one that is quicker than the others. Um, and it's also a Stephen King adaptation, which uh, that's not really surprising. But it's the way we're going to end this month of Love Gone Wrong. Because how much longer can it go than a weekend of sex games and then a heart attack and hallucinations and undergloving? <laughs> Boom. Boom. Yes. And I just want to point out a little like interesting thing I noticed this time. I didn't make a note about it. But this being a Mike Flanagan film, it's one of the first ones he did on Netflix, I'm pretty sure. But um, the book she throws at the bu- the dog mm-hmm. is Midnight Mass. And I was like, that's fucking clever. Because he didn't even do Midnight Mass till like at, well, well after this. So I, I, like, I saw that. And I saw a couple of other like, oh my God, I just forgot the name of a whole thing. I forgot the name of Easter eggs. I saw other Easter eggs in this movie. And I was like, that's cute. Were you familiar with the Stephen King book before you saw the movie? No, I'm not. Okay, because I read the book way, 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 way back when I was first escaping homeschooling. Because again, it looked like it was a sexy time. And I was a little bitty pervert because I was homeschooled. And so I read it and I remember liking it. I I don't know if I would revisit it though. Especially because like just some of the themes and the way things are handled in Stephen King's universes. But I, this is one of the times I can almost 100% say I remember the book being better than the movie. There was a lot more there. There was It was richer. She was being haunted by more voices. We had more of her backstory and stuff. And I, again, I'm not saying make longer movies, Mike Flanagan. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this would have been one of those times I'd been like, this could have been a mini series because there's so much to unpack in that. And we've talked about before that it's difficult to adapt Stephen King God, yes. to a film, to a one film project, right? It's just difficult. There's a lot going into this. And I do agree to some degree that this is fairly weak. I, for for example, the Moonlight Man subplot mm-hmm. situation, I thought was misguided. Um, playing such a big role in the end and barely any during the first and middle part of the movie, like what? Uh, utilizing him more would have been scarier. Like, because he is a scary character and I thought we I needed more of him to make that ending make more sense i fucking got more weight in the book again it's been forever since i read it but i just remember the book being more tense and more creepy however knowing stephen king goes probably also a lot heavier on the sexual assault and so like i i don't know which version is the version for you pick your own adventure y'all but i i do remember the moonlight man having a bit more weight but also she was being haunted by so many other people to where that rotation kept it tense and creepy and you didn't know what was real and what wasn't real and she's working through her own psyche of things she never dealt with and I I feel like there was more for her to do in the book. But again, it's been forever. So maybe the right things were cut and I'm just romanticizing what I remember from way back when I was a wee young baby. Yeah, I, I think, it, yeah, there's a lot of missed opportunities. Because, like, I, I wanted to see more of her from her mother. Like, what the fuck was she doing allowing this to happen? Because, like, there's that scene where they're she at knows. dinner. She knows, right? There's that scene where they're at dinner Right after it happened, I think. And the dad pulled, because she breaks the glass, the dad pulls her away. Her and her mom have that moment of like looking at each other. So it shows a clear understanding that she knew what happened. So, like, I wanted 
something to res not, not resolution, but something to develop that more. Like maybe that's something that haunts her yeah. too. Something, you know. Because in the book, it does. Like in the book, she's haunted by like a former roommate, a form a former therapist, her younger self. I don't remember the husband being one of the people in her head. But again, I I was I I've not read this book in forever, and I don't know if I intend to reread it. I sold the book because I was talking about it, and this kid who's also a pervert was like, "Can I buy that from you?" And I was like, "How much?" And so I sold a book I got at a secondhand store, and I said I was going to buy it again in the future. I never did because now I'm like, I got too many Stephen Kings. I got to give some of them up because I'm not rereading them. Obviously, like. <laughs> That's interesting that you say that you don't think that the the husband was one of the things because like I have a note that I think utilizing Gerald as if one of the figments of her imagination gave him too much of a redemption. Like I didn't want to see him be redeemed in any way, shape, or form because he's also an asshole. And because there's it's it is not like he's he because he is the one because she sees herself and she's working for her and he seems to be working against her. Mm-hmm. But then, like, there's that waving at the end, like, oh, goodbye. I don't know. And I, and I get the idea of using him, the, the abuse from her husband, connecting that to the abuse from her father. Like, I get that. I just, I, didn't, I wanted to see him utilized less. I want to see him utilize less, but I didn't see any redemption for him. I felt like he was being centered too much because we keep centering men and women's stories, which is an issue I have forever and always. Maybe that's what I mean. I didn't want to see him centered yeah, in her story. He never seemed redemptive to me because he was like, you dumb bitch, you stupid cunt, the whole time. And I think that that was her internal misogyny from all things she's learned that men say about her and treat her um, coming at her, watching to figure out what to do because those voices do become the voices that hold you down and weigh you down when you're trying to like be great. Yeah, especially especially the scene at the very end when she's driving off and he like is waving. I was like, why is he here? Again, I, I wish it was a different choice, but I get the whole, this chapter's closed now. You're done with this. Because again, this is, however I feel about it, this is a story about a woman overcoming some of her trauma. We got to start letting women write these stories, y'all, because we miss so many opportunities and things get weird and watered down and melodramatic. I That courtroom scene at the end could have been cooler. And also everything after she did gloves herself could have been cooler. Uh, but again, we... We keep centering men and women's stories. And that's how you get that fucking Game of Thrones situation where it's like, if y'all hadn't assaulted me, I wouldn't be a bad bitch now. And that's not that's not the message you want to send to anybody ever. So let's stop doing that first off. <laughs> yeah, and especially because I think one of the themes in this movie is that every man that we see, at least, has failed Jesse. Like, Yes, I'm was, in. She was stuck in a terrible marriage and was abused by her father as a child, terrorized by this man the moonlight man like every man has failed jesse so why are they even like i would even rather have the mother be in there too you know what i mean like yeah. why are we still centering the men in this story about her centering herself i liked her comment talking to her younger self like that was nice there's a couple moments that are nice but like it still goes back to like and then a man comes in and then a man comes in and then a man comes in I'm not going to lie. Her talking to herself felt like Abra and Ewan McGregor's character in Dr. Sleep. And it's that kind of, it's that kind of mushy gushy. Don't forget to have feelings. I always, I, I don't have a good time when my Flanagan's work. That's why we don't cover a lot of it. Cause I don't like sitting around pissing on filmmakers, especially when like people like them. And it's not like he's done anything offensive or anything. It's just that I am not the audience. He's playing specific 
things on strings on people's hearts and people love that. I'd rather see an international film where it's done effectively in a way for me. And so when he takes the, when he takes the overly emotional route, he loses me and he always finds a way to do that. And so that's why we don't jive. If that makes sense. So when she's talking to her younger self, it, it could have been a moment, but instead of it being a moment, it was like, don't forget we have to have feelings. Check that box. And as someone, I am a Mike Flanagan fan, so, but I do think this is one of his weaker, weaker moments because of the issues that we've talked about and we will continue to talk about because, you know, this movie just has a lot of misguided turns. I don't know why we're going down certain paths in this maze of whatever. But I will say, to go with a positive on this movie, Carla Gugino is great. That's one of my notes. Her performance almost hides a lot of the issues with the movie because she's so captivating. However, I am embarrassed. It took me forever to figure out that was not Kate Siegel. Because I just assume, and they look alike. Like, he has a type, let's be honest. And so all these years I thought it was her. And for most of the movie, I thought it was her. And then we see Kate Siegel playing the mom. Like, wait, wait. Yeah. You're different. Well, because... <laughs> And he uses her a lot too. Like she's in a house on ha- oh, Which is house on one of his other things I saw. And they both in it, and so I think that my mm-hmm. brain was like, "Yeah, that's the wife. We get it." <laughs> but and they're both it in. They're both in the fall. Fall the house of Usher. I haven't seen that. They're, one. <laughs> I think they're both in Midnight Mass. I've not seen that one. I, I know Katie Segal is. I'm. Sh- I'm pretty she's sure. She's in all of it. Anyway, and I, he uses the same people, which I can appreciate. And I, but I think part of the Cugino is. Chef's kiss. I can appreciate using the same people because you like them and they like you, but I do wish that Kate Siegel would do more without him just because sometimes I would like to see her with a different director to see if they pull different things out of her and see if she gets to do different things. Because yeah. what happens when you work with a team so closely like this is sometimes you just fall into a certain rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's a good actor, but because I don't watch a lot of his stuff, I don't get to often see her. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, yeah. And also we don't know what she, all she's capable of because when you have somebody who knows you, when they're your husband, they're going to write you certain things, certain ways. Yeah. And I, but I will say one of the, do, one of the things I do think he does well with Katie is like you said, I kind of expect her to be a lead in everything he does, but she's not like in this one, she's, super minor like i said i wanted more from her because she's barely in the movie and then a couple other things like she's minor character she's not always the lead and she's always doing like in this one she's the mother in haunting of hill house she's like the fucked up sister she's the cool sister the cool <laughs> of course sister, yeah. up, I, say cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love fucked up so like yes that's why i'm here but <laughs> yeah so she's always placed differently, so I appreciate that. But I do agree with you. I wish she would branch out a little bit and get some other work, you know. Yeah, because I think that, again, she's a great actor. But, like, I just think that you got to mix up every once in a while to stop her from getting stale. Like, even we do one-off episodes with different people just so we don't fall into the rhythm forever and always. Like, hey, here's a fun thing so we can pop out. One of my questions, will dogs really start gnawing on the living? Because I've never seen that before unless it was, like, a rapid dog. They used to wait for you to die, correct? <laughs> I think the dog thought she was dead because she was passed. She was passed out. But like she was still breathing and sweating, and I, I, I get the dog going for Gerald if it was really fucking hungry. Even though that right there feels like it, it would wait a couple days. It wouldn't just be like I hear her screaming, but I'm so hungry. The dog did not look hungry, and again, I don't remember what the book was doing, and so maybe the dog was figuring out her imagination, or maybe the dog was like on death's door. 
I wish I remembered the book, but again, it's been so many damn years, y'all. Like I was in community college, so I I don't yeah. remember the things. I wish I did. I wish I could pull it up and be like, hoo, hoo, hoo. it's even one of the books I sold. So I didn't have time to like even pretend to like skim through some of it. Yeah. I, I will say I, I get I get that. It didn't pull that didn't pull me out just because like A, I would have hated it if it was a CGI dog. And B No for CGI. I, I didn't want to see a dog like have to starve itself to be in a movie. You know, same thing with like humans. I don't want to yeah. see them. I'm not have saying to we need to, I'm not saying we need to see a sickly dog. I'm just saying that like I didn't understand why this dog was like, I eat people now. Cause it, it takes a little bit longer for me to be like, I'm eating people now. When you just pass over a plate of steak and you was eating roadkill, the dog should be full. That um, is true. Yeah. 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 And I wonder in the book if it was over, I wonder how long she stays. Cause in the movie, it's only like a day for yeah. 36 hours or some odd stuff. I, I think it was a couple days in the book because, but also Stephen King books just be thick as a bitch. And so I might've envisioned it was a couple. And also with the flashbacks and all the hauntings, who knows how long it actually was. I will say one of the things I remembered was the water glass because when he put it up there, I was like, that's her water. Um, but also she had a lot of water in that glass. And I was like, come on now. <laughs> Movie magic yeah. is on her side. <laughs> True. I will say it was, it was genius though to like have, and I'm sure it's in the book too, but have her not be able to bring the glass to her face. Mm -hmm. Like that was like, oh shit. I, I do think they did well with like, okay, I'm going to try this. Oh, there's this hurdle now. Oh, I'm going to try this. Oh, there's this hurdle now. And the special effects when she fucking pulls her hand out that fucking, the oh God damn. <laughs> the degloving. The degloving is the reason for the season. That's the best part. And that's not taking away from Carla's performance because again, she's giving everything she can and she almost helps me gloss over some of the issues I have. Um, but the degloving is when I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. You know what's funny? When you mentioned that earlier, I was like, I don't remember her taking, because she's got a glove on at the end of the <laughs> I was like, I don't remember her taking the glove off. And now you're, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's even worse. It's what it's been called um, when you skin your hand. And when she wrapped her fucking hand in pads. <laughs> Listen, super absorbent, like, always with wings. Ingenuity, <laughs> love it. <laughs> While we're talking about um, her in the hand and how she got there, I think it's time to just go ahead and be like, from up top, we knew this woman did not want to have sex with her husband. And, and because of the way it was directed and acted, you immediately knew there was trauma, which mm -hmm. I don't think we come on so strong with. I got trauma in the book. I think that was definitely uh, this production being like, you got trauma, never forget. Because like the way she pulls away from him, you're like, oh, did something recent happen? <laughs> but it's just her being grossed out and living with this trauma and keeping it towards the edge of her chest because we're in this movie where it's like your trauma, your trauma, your trauma. Yeah. I was not like, I, I, she didn't seem happy from the jump. Like she did not seem glad to be there. She was not excited. So Gerald being an ass was not that surprising to me. And when he like, I want a man to put me in handcuffs and then not let me out. I, I would have killed him myself. I would have murdered the man. Listen, not, I again, I wish her, there had been a different choice instead of being like, reveal your trauma the second we see you. But also, this couple should talk about safe words and boundaries and what have you. But also, let's just not rape your wife. Like, that's not a thing you should be doing. I know that men still think we're property, but no. And so, <laughs> I that's one of the reasons why his ghost negging her the whole movie was a choice. Because I'm just like, he's a rapist. 
I, I know you like, I know that you are used to men treating you like shit. Cause yes, all men, girl, I got it. I'm, I'm wearing merch, but like, I think that you could have had somebody else haunt you. Anybody else, anybody else, your whole mind is your oyster. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like, I guess, okay, if you want to bring him in as a connection to the dad, sure. But shrink that to like a blip. Like maybe, I liked the moment because when I first watched it, when he puts his hand up on the thing, I was like, is he alive? I mean, this is a second watch. I was like, I knew he was not. But I was like, what? And then I was like, uh, it's a ghost. Should have known. But I liked that moment. But then past that, let him go. I'm trying to remember if the dad haunted her in the book or if it was just in flashbacks or if Daryl became the dad. Cause I don't remember any men haunting her in the book, but also it's been forever, but I don't think it was Daryl that haunted her. I think once he's done, he's done. She got some flashbacks of shit he's done and shit he said, but it wasn't like you dumb bitch in your mug. I don't remember it being that at all. And I also, I want any partner of mine to make the joke that he makes that he reminds her that he made at that point. I, I, oh. Yes, I'm oh, in. I would have, I would have, oh God, I would have walked out. I would have been like, You're, we're done. Bye. I just, unfortunately, what happens with a lot of AFABs is that we are raised by awful men. We're surrounded by awful men and we seek out awful men. And we think that that is just the way life is supposed to be. And so you never think to ask for more from your partner or find somebody who doesn't talk to you and tell you that you are a walking incubator for a cunt. Um, and then like at the end of their life, they're like, I could have lived. What? And so I just wish that therapy was free. And I wish that we address that. Yes, all men, literally. I can't say that enough. Yes, all men somewhere are talking over women. I'm ignoring women. <laughs> I'm doing something to a woman to destroy her peace at all times. And we don't we don't hold them the task for that because we're just like you know how men are, and no, I don't burn them at the stake. It goes back to that toxic statement, boys will be boys. We don't hold men to any standard. Period. That is the end of that sentence, and we should. And that and I think that is where a lot of AFAB people, uh, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but like, I get it that you're, that we're surrounded by toxic men. I mean, I'm a gay man. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I see it every day when I pick up on the grinder, but like, we could say, we could say no, like uh, walk away. Walk, you're better. You are better off. If anyone's out there listening to this and you're in a toxic situation, you are better off alone than you are with that person. The amount of our friends who won't hear that message, we could we could have a whole <laughs> fucking um, voice note chat with so many people who should, and, but, but they won't. Because again, they've internalized misogyny, they've internalized this abuse, and they're like, this is just the way it is, because my mother did it, my grandmother did it, my aunts are doing it, my sisters are doing it, that's just love. If that's love, don't fucking do it. But again, therapy's not free, and nobody wants to heal. Like, yeah. I talk about my time at working at Look Opera all the time, where these old men who didn't have to have the internet work would go on the phone and yell at me because they didn't click a button. And then the wife would go down afterwards and be like, you know how men are. And I'm like, no, curb your fucker. Curb your fucker. Because the next time he calls me, my boss is not in the room with me. Guess what he's going to get? The fucking truth. And they did. And that's why I can't work there anymore. And you know what? <laughs> he's welcome if he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to hear it. He needed to hear it. And I was glad to share it. <laughs> <laughs> while we're talking about shitty men the way the father manipulates her into begging him to keep the, to begging him to keep the secret makes me want to throw something and it's 
right out of the abuser's handbook. It's right out of the master manipulators of America. So many people use this because kids are impressionable. And so you're just like, well, your mom already hates you. So I'd hate to like do this to her, but I think we should tell her, don't you? And he kept finding other angles to be like, and don't you? Because he was like, what if that one doesn't work? Here's another tactic just in case. Until she finally like, don't tell her. Don't. And it makes me wonder, thinking about back to the mother hating her daughter. Because I mean, like, there's the scene right before they got the mother and the two other younger kids go off on the boat to watch the eclipse. They're having that moment. And it does feel like this mother hates this daughter. And it makes me wonder, what? how is this dad manipulating the mother as well? to keep her away from this daughter and to keep the daughter away from the mother. Like, I I don't know. It's You're just... giving her too much credit. We all know shitty moms are out there. This oh, woman absolutely. is probably jealous of her daughter because her daughter gets more of her husband's attention. And that is unfortunately one of the games that women who internalize misogyny play with their daughters. Like, one of the, one of the hardest facts to hear is sometimes your mother is your first bully because she's jealous. And so she's looking at you because of this. She's looking at you because of that. And a lot of the times these women are letting their daughters be abused in this manner because they want to keep this man. because That's what's most important. Because if your husband leaves you, you're a failure. But if your daughter's being abused, so what? It's her fault because she wore the thing you told her not to wear. It's her fault because she's young. And it's really fucking sick. And again, therapy needs to be for everybody. But these women who do that, there's a special place in hell for them. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh... I, no, yeah, and I wasn't trying to give her credit. I just, I wanted, I, again, I wanted to see more of why this mother was acting the way she was acting. Is it is it that what you're saying? Which it probably is. But, like, we didn't get, you know what I mean? I didn't see that. Again, we only had her for a few scenes, but she felt like most of those mothers. Like the mother in, um, I know, Highland to Drive. Like that mom. Where it's mm-hmm. like, if you do that, don't come crying to me when something happens. Because this bitch is like, get on the boat with us. Because I think that she's like, that's all I'm going to do to protect you until you come with us. Fine. You said no Mm. once. Then what happens, happens. Knowing full well, the father's a predator. And odds are, he's also done other things to the other kids. And so there's signs of it all around the house. And she's just like, "Mm, I have a family. I'm a good mother. And I I see this story over and over and over on TV. Because right now, TV is all about the trauma. And so, like, shows like The Crowded Room. (laughs) Shows all over the place. Amazon Prime has basically a whole fucking subchannel just for this kind of trauma, y'all. We see it time and time again. And it's because these women never say, I'm leaving this man. I'm taking my children. And back in the day, they could hide behind, they couldn't have bank accounts. But like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to have your children being abused so you can have access to your husband's bank account to pay bills and clean his house? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I don't remember if the mother haunts her or if it's just flashbacks in the book. I wish I remember the book so much. Um, but I hate this woman and I hate women like her. And I get that sometimes some of them were raised in similar environments. And so they're just like, that's the way it is. But it's big boomer energy to be like, I pay my student bills. So y'all should pay y'all student loans. You should not want people to suffer the same things you suffer just because you suffered them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's that same energy of, well, I paid my student loan, so why can't you pay yours? You know, I paid my medical bills, why can't you pay yours? I paid... Blah, 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 blah. I suffered, so you should. It's that grouchy old boomer mentality. And I hate it, because it doesn't it doesn't serve anybody. Also, again, at the end of the day, these are kids. I don't like kids, but I don't want kids being abused. I think that that's a difference between me and some people who seem to insist on having children they don't want and don't care about. 
That is fair. Something I will never understand. I don't understand people leaving their doors unlocked, much less completely fucking open. When that happened, I was like, this is that white nonsense that Sydney did in Scream 3. Just leaving doors <laughs> open and unlocked. And I was like, you is not that free. I know your privilege is a powerful drug that I will never understand. But fucking lock your door. If you had locked and closed the door, the dog wouldn't be eating your dead husband. Just gonna say but, that. Especially, especially when you know that dog is out there. I love, I, I am a dog lover. I love dogs. But I don't want some dog from who knows where with who knows what to come up in my house. Y'all was really going to leave the door open and go fuck in this house that y'all rent for the summer sometimes. While being handcuffed. Now, granted, she may not have known about the handcuffs, but he did. She, again, they did not talk. Because she was like, I thought it would be novelty, like velvet or fluffy. And he was like, no, these are the real things, baby. Because, again, he wanted to assault his wife. Which is why when she fought back, he was like, what do you fucking mean? I'm the man. You post to do what I post to won't because you're my trophy wife who's younger than me and I deserve because I'm a man and I'm a lawyer. Fuck you. And he literally says to her before he dies, so this is him, not her own mind. He is telling her that the last time that they fucked and he got hard was because he was choking her. I'm all, listen, I'm not kink shaming. I know people are into that sort of thing. I know women who love it. Mm-hmm. But like, that's alarming. That's the only way you can get hard is by choking someone. Again, these two never fucking talked because if you got a rape fantasy, you really got to talk to your partner because that is some, that's a different level of shit that some of us are used to. You can't just surprise somebody with that. especially when you've not talked about safe words and boundaries. Again, consensual sex is a thing. White men just be unhinged. Men in general, but specifically white men just be unhinged. It's like, you're going to go along with it because my privilege said you will. And so they're doing all this shit and you're like, no, that's not how we do that. Like, if I had a dollar for trying to tell a white man not to do something, that should have just been a given. Or it should have been asked permission for. I'd be a millionaire. I'd be making movies right now. My own movies would be self-produced. I'd be the Tyler Perry of black women, but I wouldn't hate black women. So I guess I wouldn't be Tyler Perry. I need to have somebody else on cue for this reference. (laughs) I think one of the biggest flaws of this movie, for me, is that it doesn't understand which scenes deserve to breathe and which ones need to be quicker. So everything's too fucking long. Every scene is too fucking long. Because there are some scenes that come in and they do the job and you're like, okay. But then it lingers forever. And so you get bored in the same scene where you got what you needed from it up top. And you're just there waiting for the pacing to figure itself out. And it never does. Yeah, I think for me, this pacing starts really pretty strong. And then it gets a little too long in the middle like the second act and the third act are a little too elongated we're spending too much time but if he had stuck with the pacing of that first part of this film i think it would have been stronger so many scenes we get what we need and then we're still in it forever and it's hard it's so hard because you're like oh we got it okay 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 um and it's disheartening because i unpopular opinion this is not my least favorite mike flanagan i've seen i know i've not seen that much but like i think that it's quicker and it, it, it's trying to do something even though i don't like the way it does it um, than some of the previous ones we've covered on this podcast which are the ones i've seen that's fair it's by it i don't know if it's my least favorite but it's towards the bottom I, I would sadly say it's towards the top from the three movies I've seen from him. It's not as good as the middle section of Hill House because the middle section was a show. 
it was a show. But the top of the bottom, real shaky. And the bottom is when I was like, I'm not giving you another season of anything, sir. Um, <laughs> um, it's what you want it to be for who, for why. And so I got off that train. But I think, because we've done Hush, we've done Doctor Sleep. And I think that this is a better movie than those two. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did Doctor Sleep. It's better than Hush. And it's probably better than Doctor Sleep. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and so I can I can own that while knowing I don't ever want to see this again either. <laughs> yeah, I just think I've seen more Mike Flanagan that I enjoy that you haven't seen. So like I, that's why it's towards the bottom of my list, but mm-hmm. like towards the top of yours. Yeah. So yeah, like she's number one, uh, right under the show. Um, because again, that middle section of the show—if I just watched episodes two through the penultimate, I'd be like, yeah. But I was there for the first episode because Labob, and then like. LaBob didn't tell me how much I was going to hate that finale. He was like, you should you should finish the show today. Because I finished it. I think you should finish it today. And so I'm watching. I'm like, where are we going? Where are we going? Where, wh- wh- what? What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and that's when he hurt me. That's when he really hurt me. Because, <laughs> I mean, I have my story with Dr. Sleep. I'm not going to rehash it again. I told that story. Um, but that's when Mike Flanagan hurt me personally. <laughs> that ending. Because I was like, I started to trust you. I started to believe in you. And it's whatever we wanted to fucking be. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if y'all not seen House on the Hill, I ruined it for you. But don't worry. It was going to be ruined anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> people want yeah. to cover that. to be fair, House, House on Haunted Hill is probably middle of my pack. Like, it's not towards the top either, but. It is so. my favorite thing I've seen of his work. And again, that ending upsets me so much. I will never rewatch it, which makes me sad. Cause I wanted to go back in for Easter eggs and like other things and it's beautiful performances and beautiful gowns. And I am so salty. Cause whenever we're like, what do y'all want us to cover? That comes up. And I'm like, y'all do not want to hear what I have to say. I'm telling you that right now. You do not want to hear what I have to say about that show. There. <laughs> uh, So this ending is real weird because after she gets to safety and we're having that Stephen King post-trauma moment, it's done weirdly. And she's writing to her kid self, which I don't think is what she did in the book. I know she wrote to somebody, but I think it was an actual person to be like, I'm sorry, because again, she's on her healing journey. And we know Uncle Stephen, who was recovering, has that theme of asking for forgiveness from people in his books. It's just a standard thing when his people survive or if they have to sacrifice themselves, they are like, yo, I was a fuck up and I'm sorry. And we don't unpack that because I'm not his therapist. I'm not paid enough. But like, we see it a lot. And so I, I'm like 90% sure she was writing to a real person who she felt she owed the truth to for whatever reason. And I wish I could remember who I think it is, but it was not her kid self. It was not, dear young me, I know you'd understand. And it was also handled differently because this is kind of comical. Her going to the court being like, hey. And then being like, you're made of moon. I was laughing. And i that's not the intention you want in that moment. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. The ending is very weird. Also, when she walks off, what was that? Was that a green screen? Was What was happening? <laughs> was it an old um, world yeah. set on like Universal? Because it was, it was totally different. <laughs> Nothing else we've seen. Oh, so I'm reading the book synopsis, and there's a lot, so I'm not even understanding this. Yeah. So apparently she had covered, Gerald's law firm covers up something, and I think she writes to that person telling them about whatever he, whatever his law firm covered up. So I don't think it was the law firm. I think it was somebody in her past. 
I don't want to say it was her sister or her mother, but it was somebody in her past. I don't, I really wish I had not sold this book at this point in time. That money felt good at the moment, but I wish I had it. I could like flip to the end and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, someone named Ruth for abandoning Ruth. Yes. One of the people who was in her head in her flashbacks was a woman named Ruth. I don't remember if that was the therapist or the friend or the roommate or somebody, but it was somebody who had almost gotten her to like open up about her trauma. And so she stopped talking to that person or something. It was again, yeah. to give uncle Steven so, his credit, he handled this story better. It still needs to be handled by a woman. Cause I feel like that's what's failing it on both um, counts is that it's just not being handled by a woman. Men think that they are doing things and they are, never are. You have to, you got to open your wallet and shut your mouth. If you want to like really have somebody's story told, you gotta, Yeah. But the ending shouldn't have been so funny because this woman deserved <laughs> to stick a lady after that journey. Yeah, like usual with Stephen King, the book is probably better. I haven't read it, so I don't really know. I think it is. Again, it's been forever, but I think it's truly better. It's in part because he does so much. And again, he's coming from a place of somebody who understands whatever his traumas are. I don't know his traumas. And he he has those benchmarks. And so this woman at the end is asking for forgiveness from this person who she definitely did something to, whether unknowingly or out of hurt or anger because she didn't want anybody to find out her secret because of the shame and the guilt that comes along with being a victim for so long and not having therapy and proper support for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that does not come across here because she kind of glosses over. He probably did it to your sisters too. And we just keep going. Yeah. And it's also interesting because a lot of the times when we get these stories about women processing trauma and or men being trash, it's usually, well, Hollywood in general is usually 20 year old women or, you know, mm-hmm. and not that Carla Gugino and Bruce Greenwood are not attractive people. They are. They're just not 20. <laughs> no, like he's definitely easily in his 50s, 60s. I've not checked on him in a minute, but he's been around forever. And so I, I won't believe he's younger than that. And I believe she's like a fresh 50. Because when I realized that was not <laughs> Kate Siegel, I was like, oh! <laughs> so I Googled her. So I know she's like 51 um, freshly. But yeah, Bruce Greenwood is 67. Dang. I mean, for 67... Hey, Daddy. Listen, but this movie was also out in how many years ago? Hold, oh, please. Twenty. It's twenty ten somewhere. Twenty seventeen. So 17. seven years ago. So he was fresh sixty. And seven years ago, Carla would have been because math from fifty one forty six. Is that math? She's fifty two. Sorry. So it would have been forty five. Five. Forty five. Yes. We can't do numbers. Um, so yeah. Either way, good for them being above the age of 40 and getting roles that are centered around sex, even though hers is centered around sexual trauma. Unfortunately, Hollywood is always with that sexual trauma. While we're talking about the cast, Henry Thomas turns up on so many Stephen Kings right now. He was in the new Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. We won't talk about that movie out of respect for everybody in it. Um, Pam Greer, David Duchovny. But like it happened and he was there. I feel like he's also done some other Flanagan works. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, he was in Fall of the House of Usher. Okay, because I remember people were thirsting after him recently, so I knew it was one of the more recent ones. I don't know why they were thirsting after him in that one, because he was probably. I mean, but, aren't all men. <laughs> Truth. 
<laughs> but yeah, I do love the fact that his trophy wife is in her 40s because oftentimes you get the Leonardo DiCaprio effect and so she's at be 24. Mm-hmm. I do wonder about the way she dressed in this movie though because she had a very old school style. She's wearing dresses cut from like the 50s and 60s. And I don't know if that's because that's when her trauma happened and so she's sort of stuck in that era or if that was a different choice. But it, it makes her stand out because like... We, we have cell phones, so I know we're not in the 50s or 60s. <laughs> the cars are new. And so I'm, I'm not sure if this is part of the appeal. Like, this was the look that he liked for her, but she's still wearing that kind of shit after he's dead. I, and so I, I do want to know about her wardrobe. I want to know who made that choice. Even when she's getting sexy, it's a new slip. It's not like lingerie, which I'm not saying put this bitch out here naked because we have enough movies where people are just getting naked for no reason. Uh, but, like, the fact she goes to another slip, that's also from that era. It's Right. It, it makes me wonder about her, and I, we don't get those answers in this movie. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that for a Netflix original movie and for it to be a Mike Flanagan movie, I was expecting worse. I mean, that's fair. I'm glad that you didn't hate it that much. I, I mean, this is one of Mike Flanagan's films and projects. It's okay. Like, I don't love it. Like, I love some of his other stuff. And I don't hate it. Like, I really like some of his other stuff. So, um, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. I, it fits our theme. Um, it was under two hours. <laughs> Could have been quicker. Um, again, that pacing. And the, not every scene has the same weight. And I just think that more filmmakers need to remember that when they're figuring out what they're doing with their scenes. Because if you give every scene the same amount of weight, then nothing feels special. It begins with like a chore. Yeah. I do. So there are some fun other Easter eggs. So Gerald refers to the dog as Cujo. Yeah. That's one of the ones I was like, I see you. I haven't read the Dark Tower, but apparently when Gerald says all things serve the beam, that is a Dark Tower reference. Yep. I don't know. So those are fun. I love Easter eggs. I think they're kind of fun, especially for fans of things. There's a few Stephen Kingisms in this movie, which I think that if you're a diehard Stephen King fan, you're like, yeah, which also makes it a fun time as much as it can be fun. But it's definitely, it's definitely heavy on the drama and the trauma as opposed to the horror. Whereas I remember the book being like a psychological terror minefield. But again, yeah. knowing Uncle Stephen, we've talked about the essay probably a lot more than we do in this movie. And so one of the same grace of this movie is we probably did not spend nearly half as much time in that as we could have and we didn't show it the way we could have but i do i want to go back to because we talked about a little bit about the manipulation the way that he enters the room being like i i didn't touch you but i did that near you people love to catch ki kids up in words and wordplay because kids don't understand what's happening and so like he knows he's molesting his daughter but if he says that then like game over but he's like yeah, like, I, I didn't touch you, but I did it near you. So if she ever did say anything to anybody, they'd be like, did he touch you? No. Well, then what happened? Because again, your fucking manipulators are evil bastards. And the wordplay they do with kids is something we don't arm kids with enough. And so they're like, nobody's going to believe me. And also, when you ask me these direct questions of things he didn't do, and I'm telling you he did something, we get lost in it. And you could be like, you're making it up. Go home. Go sit down. And And... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I could, I very well could be. Isn't she like sitting on his lap? He he talks her in again on his lap and be like, "It's silly, right?" Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. And then when she's on his lap, he starts to masturbate. And then so he is touching her. Yeah, I mean, like 
Literally. I mean, he's not touched. Yeah, I mean, literally he is because she's on his lap. And clearly something is on the dress because takes the dress off and she is not having the dress. And so, again, these are things that are hard to explain when you're a child and you don't know what's happening. And he knows that, which is why that's the way he did it. Because when people are talking to children and they're like, did so-and-so touch you? You can't be like, yeah, because he didn't. Or you can't be like, I, I, I was still clothed. I didn't even ask me to take your clothes off. And so these fucking mind games, these fucking mind mm-hmm. games, I think are insidious. And we don't, we don't give kids enough credit when they try to report these things to the adults in their lives because adults don't want to hear it. Because, again, there are multiple ways to harass a child, as we see in these movies every day, because we're all about the trauma for whatever reason lately. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Let's get into the hot takes, right? What is your hot take? My hot take is, if we want more stories about women being empowered as they overcome their trauma, then we should produce those stories being created by women. Like I always say, shut your mouth and open your wallets if you want to be an ally. And we stop getting messy things like this. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. My hot take is this movie needed help connecting the dots. Like, I think that it has a good, a decent idea. Like, clearly the source material is there, right? And the overall theme was there. But it had no, it didn't, they didn't, they didn't know how to get from A to C to B or to D, whatever, to connect all these dots. Like I said, the whole moonlight man storyline is completely wasted like it's it's creepy in that one scene where he kind of comes out of the shadows and it wasn't creepy again and it really could have been and it's really sad this comes from that era uh, which is the 90s where stephen king was really good about being like you don't know what's real and what's not real what people are hallucinating because like there was this and the girl who loved tom gordon and a couple other books where these women again he's always torturing women were like what is real and what is not real (laughs) And so that we wasted this whole Moonlight Man makes me real sad. That could have been a moment. It could have been a bop. Right. Especially because it turns out to be real. Like, that's supposed to be a big reveal. And it was like a... Because we spent more time with the dog. Also, why is the dog afraid of the Moonlight Man, but not the husband and the wife? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also love that she gives the Moonlight Man her ring. And that's why she's like, they didn't find the ring. And so maybe he's real. And then he turns out to be real. All signs point to real, so why are we surprised that he's real? Like, right? I, it, it's not a reveal at that point. None of the reveals in this movie were reveals. Because again, we give away everything. Like up top, when she pulls away from her husband, you're like, oh, we're doing trauma already. Which I knew we were not going to like finesse that. And I was like, oh, we're keeping the trauma. Okay. Because it wasn't like a, oh, I'm just uncomfortable. Or, oh, we have a rocky marriage. It was like, a, oh, no. And I was like, okay, let's give them everything. I guess. Truly. Yeah. But I do think, I think that this movie, like you said, would have been able to connect those dots if it were told by a woman, if it were adapted by a woman. We have to start letting women tell stories about women and their trauma. I don't think we need so many trauma stories personally, but if we're going to keep making them, give the women a chance to do it because men don't understand the complexities. They don't understand how to not center themselves in the narratives. They don't understand all of the intricacies that go along with just being a woman in the fucking world. And I'm not JK Rowling when I say women. I mean all women. Anybody who is a woman, I'm not being like only AFABs because it's not just an AFAB story. A woman is a woman, especially when men are awful. And so <laughs> we have stories. Let us tell them. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Sheree, 
How many drinks are you giving this one? I'm feeling generous. I'm giving it two drinks. They're weak drinks, though. (laughs) I am somewhat in agreement. I'm giving this one two and a half drinks. So I guess two drinks and a shot. Get it. I wish I had a shot. I... That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, that is our thoughts on Gerald's game. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, we'll be covering the blackening. That is right. We're starting a new month, and it category is Get Behind Me 23, because 2023 just ended. You see what we did there? We're so clever. We're so smart. You want to be us. You can't sit with us. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Um <laughs> But yes, thank you all so much for listening and supporting us here on Fear Street. As always, make sure that you stay fierce out there. Bye.